Hey, welcome to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. I am your host, Chris Desmond. This is a show where I chat with interesting people doing fascinating things, um, and they tell us about how they get out of their comfort zone and how they approach uncomfortable situations. This week's guest is Joel Buzade. Joel is a business owner, a father, a leadership coach, and a speaker. Joel is one of the founders of Against the Grains, which takes people on an adventure to help them create a life by design. He's one of the owners of Maya CrossFit, where they aim to foster personal change through fitness. He speaks frequently throughout the country and is just an all-round good dude. Uh, Joel was introduced to me by a mutual friend, Pete Halstead, so thank you very much for that, Pete. Uh, And when I rocked up to chat with Joel, I knew it was going to be a fun one straight away. Uh, He's a guy that's just full of energy, uh, despite starting the day with a 5.30 a.m. CrossFit class, or maybe because of starting the day with a 5.30 a.m. CrossFit class. Um, And he's just real happy to go deep in a conversation uh, pretty fast, which which was fantastic and always makes for a better podcast conversation. So some of the topics that we cover today include being confronted by the fact that uh, he took the piss out of people because he had low self-esteem himself uh, when he was 16 years old, Uh, being able to take that on and actually do something about it at that age, enjoying the outdoors and using it to find out about himself, the importance of taking time to reflect how he does it and how to train it, why he values focusing on just a few things rather than trying to do 50 things all at once, getting excited about finding out who you are, identifying an end goal and doing something to achieve it on a daily basis, the questions that he consistently asks himself. We talk about limiting beliefs, but also about the fact that we have beliefs that also serve us really, really well. We talk about the practice of opposition thinking, the science behind positive thinking, and the role that the reticular activating system plays in that. We chat about automating our good habits uh, to replace bad habits that we may have. And we talk about the importance of a great support team. Uh, Joel is an awesome dude. He's got a bit of cool stuff out there online as well. So uh, there are links in the notes for the show. Um, and he has a chat about them at the end of the episode as well. Go and check him out. It is well worth your while. Before we start, I just want to say a couple of thank yous as well. So thank you, Alex, for supporting the podcast on Patreon uh, and being our first supporter. It's very, very cool. Thank you so much. Um, and if you guys listening want to support, go to patreon.com slash uncomfortable is okay. And I also just want to say thank you for the latest review on uh, on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it's by Will iPod, uh, and it says, more Kiwi gold. This may be my favorite Kiwi podcast. Nice forward thinking conversation. So it's always real nice to get feedback uh, from from people that are listening to the show about what they think. Um, obviously, that's that's quite good 
good feedback. So thank you so much for that, Will. Um, but also uh, any improvements that I can I can be working on as well, uh, sing out, fire them through to me on one of the social channels or send me an email at uncomfortableisokay at gmail.com. But that's it for the thank yous, apart from thanking you guys for getting uncomfortable with Joel and I today. Welcome to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. Thanks for uh, having me down to, to my CrossFit for a bit of a chat. Pleasure. How are you today? Oh, good, mate. Really good, eh? Yeah. Yep. Wednesday, middle of the week. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. Downhill towards the uh, towards the end of the that's week. That's it. That's it. Um, mate, just to kind of kick things off, can you can you give me a little bit of background about yourself? Sort of where you, where you grew up, where are you from? Any kind of big formative experiences when you were young uh, that's kind of shaped you as a person? Yeah, so um, grew up in Island Bay, the south coast there, yeah. and uh, probably a, a big experience was mum and dad split when I was seven. Yeah, uh, spent all of my life in Island Bay till about thirteen. Great group of mates there, and then went to St Patrick's College, uh, in uh town, and uh, loved loved college. Um, spent a lot of time playing touch on the field at lunchtime and. Um, just really enjoyed the whole the whole school experience, so to speak. Um, and uh, I guess got to the end of my my college time and made the decision to to head south and go and study outdoor education. So that was um, a big turning point for me in terms of what I'd previously been doing, like rugby, a lot of time with the boys, and decided to move away and then um, get into a bit of study. Whereabouts did you uh, study outdoor education? That was down in uh, Christchurch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So what? Um. Like, what drew you to that? Because a lot of your mates stayed around Wellington. Yeah, that's right. All of my all of my good mates stayed in Wellington and studied hospitality, and some of them just went out and got jobs. But sort of around about the age of sixteen, you know, as you do at college, you have the the opportunity to select a few different subjects, and mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. gave outdoor ed a bit of a crack, and yeah. I'll, I'll always be thankful to um, my teacher at the time because there was a particular defining moment for me uh, when I was I was about sixteen, and I was the guy in the class that would, at any cost, take the piss out of someone by laughing at them or, or, or saying a joke or something like that. And my teacher at the time, who has become a mentor throughout my whole life, said to me, she pulled me aside and she said, "Hey Joel, do you know why, given the opportunity, you?" take the piss out of people and, and, you know, have a laugh at their expense. And I said, no. And she said, it's because your self-esteem is particularly low. And I'll, you know how there's a certain moments in your life you remember? That was one of the moments that I always remember. And that was the beginning of, I guess, an inquiry into the outdoors. She was the outdoor education teacher. Um, and I guess that's why I started to look more into it and then, Ended up moving down south yeah. to study it. When when she mentioned that to you, you were quite accepting of the 
fact that you had low self-esteem or uh, you, that wasn't something that you'd kind of particularly been, been aware of? I think like it was confronting mm-hmm. and it was harsh and it was probably in hindsight very accurate. Yeah. But I hadn't had that kind of feedback before from anyone about that kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like on one level was, I was quite respectful of it. Um, and I wanted to know more because she was kind of giving me insight into my own self and that was something that a lot of teachers weren't giving me. Yeah. Not to blame, but it was, it was, I was curious. Mm. Mm. So that kind of, uh, inspired you to, to study outdoor education because you obviously enjoyed it, but also that, that experience was associated with it. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. Well, she was an outdoor ed teacher giving me insight into my character and then so we did a few trips and as you do, you go rock climbing mm-hmm. and tramping and sort of they became almost like the medium to explore self yeah. and explore team dynamics and explore how we respond to certain situations. And that just, I was in on that. I was yeah. really keen and curious because it was almost like the, the, the fast track to learn more about myself. Yeah, and that was something that you were obviously pretty interested in as a as a kind of a, a young young man, and that's uh, that's probably an interesting point as well because I think often, definitely for my for myself, is I think uh, I wasn't that insightful mm-hmm. at that age, and I think learning learning about myself and kind of going deep at that young an age for me I don't know if uh, if I'd had that feedback at that time mm. what sort of result that would have uh, would have kind of triggered in, in me yeah. um, and I think there's probably a lot of other people out there as well like that that would have been in my situation as well as that we probably wouldn't have been we may not have been ready to hear that mm. at that time yeah um yeah but obviously for for you it was the it was the perfect timing for it to happen. It was, it was, it was the perfect timing, and I, I guess I owe it to you know my folks. Like mum's mm. a massive extrovert, and dad's an introvert, so I got the I got both worlds. And and the boys that I grew up with were real conscious guys. Like yeah. we're just talking about how to get better and do stuff better, and mm-hmm. you know, real explicit with manners and looking after each other, and yeah, you know, just serving each other and that sort of stuff. So we're always quite tuned into. Each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I guess when someone opens their mouth and they've got something to say and it's powerful and it impacts you, it's like far out, you're going to reflect on that a little bit more. Mm. So it was kind of like you said, the timing was right. Yeah. 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 Cool. No, it's, it's interesting. So, uh, down to Christchurch. Yeah. For outdoor, outdoor education. Did, uh, did in, you know anyone that was down there? I went down with uh, a, another group of guys that I'd formed friendships with during St. Pat's. So yep. four, uh, five of us total went down there. So we were like the St. Pat's boys going down to study outdoor education, which was great. You know, mm. it was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, great support network, bunch of friends. And uh, so you were all down there together, flatted together and got into it together. Cool, 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 cool. Um, and that's a four-year degree, three-year degree? It was, uh, we did a certificate year and then three yeah. additional years for the bachelor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So what sort of, what sort of stuff were you doing in that? 
Yeah, we did. We kind of did a bit of everything. Like for me, going there, like I just wanted to be in the outdoors more. Mm-hmm. Like I love the city, but I really wanted to be in the outdoors more. So you know, I think in the first week we headed up to Murchison and we spent five days kayaking, and that was backed on to the west coast. And we did five days rafting, and then we headed over to Golden Bay and did some some rock climbing and sea yeah. kayaking and just all of those great things that you can do in New Zealand. You know? Yeah. Yeah, wicked. And obviously that gives you kind of a chance to sort of physically explore yourself as well. But you're kind of learning about yourself sort of like mentally and emotionally and sort of on that, that inner scale at the same time with it as well. Yep. Were there any, are there any kind of big revelations that you had during that time that you, that you remember now? Um, or was it more of a kind of a slow burn sort of sort of learning? I think it was a bit of both, actually. I think mm-hmm. there's there's moments that sometimes I would have forgotten them, and I'll look back and I'll be like, "Far out! That was that shaped me," you know. And there's there's the whole four years that I spent just having a really good time, experiencing a lot, um, and the net experience was just fantastic. A great part that of my life that's been very enriching and rewarding. Um, specific moments like you know. I've, obviously been on the river multiple times in really high pressure situations. Mm. <laughs> um, I spent a lot of time on the river. That's probably like the area that I focused on the most. And as we're probably, most of us are aware in New Zealand, like rivers are, you know, relentless things that don't stop that if you get yourself in the wrong situation, it could be very, very dangerous. Yeah. So yeah, there's a multitude of experiences that I could talk to in terms of learnings in the outdoors, but overall it was a, a great place for reflection. Mm. Yeah. What did you What did you find out about yourself during that yeah. time? Uh, I think I found out about myself that I'm special, that I have uniqueness, and that I can contribute to other people's lives. And the outdoors is great in the sense that we'll go for a tramp for the day, or we'll get in our kayaks and spend three hours going down a river. But something that's unique about the outdoors is there'll always be time around the campfire or in the evening when we're in our tents and there'll be the debrief or the feedback session. It's just part and parcel of the outdoors. Mm. And I think if anyone listening is a part of a group or a culture or a workplace where feedback is positive, it's something that's encouraged, we tend to learn a lot more about ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we used to sit around for hours and hours and talk about highlight of the day, um, what we learned about ourselves, something we acknowledged from someone else. And and those experiences were just, you learn how to listen to people, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very cool, and I think it's a, a big a big part of it is that is taking that reflection time to to reflect on the on the cool experiences that that happened to you, but also mm. I mean obviously being in those situations there were probably some tough challenging experiences where things didn't quite go how you planned as well. Yeah, but having that having that reflection time to kind of uh, just process process things and. And take those learnings from it is such a such a valuable valuable part of it. And I think I mean you, you probably agree that you can apply that to a whole lot of other situations out there as well as. And I think 
especially as kind of we get, oh, I'll put this in inverted commas, busier. Yeah, yeah. Um, often we kind of fail to to take that time to, to sit and have a bit of a debrief and have yeah. a little bit of reflection. So we just kind of go from go from one thing to another without sort of processing the the cool stuff or the or the learnings that yeah. have, that have happened. I agree, and I and I think on a on one level, it's it's the difference between a a great life and a good life. You know, mm. um, I've always said like if you want to get more out of a particular experience, then reflect on it. And you know, you can do reflection in a number of ways. You know, like catch up with a mate and have a beer. You can pull out a journal and write about it. You know, there's so many ways to do it. But I think those of us that enter into that that practice of reflection tend to get more out of a particular experience. So when we remember it or when somebody asks us, how was the basketball game or what was it like to go to the Hurricanes rugby final or whatever, our response is that much more accurate with the actual feeling of it. And, uh, you know, I learned that practice certainly in the outdoors for sure. Mm. And use it now today, even here at the box and in family life. And you know, I've just been in Sri Lanka, and I spent a lot of my time um, when the baby went down, actually sitting out there at the beach with my journal as the sunset and just reflecting on the day. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you what your your practice looked like. So it is, um, it is kind of journaling for you is how you usually like to like to reflect. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And how do you how do you do it? Like, do you have any kind of specific pattern that you follow, or you just kind of write? I just write. Yeah. So I try and keep my journal real close to me all the time. So it comes home with me. It comes back to the to workplace with me. If I ever had to jump in an Uber, it would probably be mm. with me. And it's as much about capturing ideas as it is about um, going back over experiences and whatnot. But that's that's definitely one one part of it. And then on Sunday, I have a practice where I actually sit down and plan the week and sometimes during that planning that looking forward to the future I'll be reminded of some of the great things that happened the week just gone so it's like you said it's like making space for it making it Mm. important yeah yeah and I think a a big a big part of that and we were talking just before we started recording about the about how much stuff there is out there in terms of kind of opportunities to do things and also information as well that we can kind of get into a bit of a, a cycle of of that overwhelm. You're like, oh, there's just so much stuff that I just want to, I want to kind of consume this knowledge or consume this experience that you just kind of go from one to one. And I find that I'm I'm guilty of that sometimes that uh, I, I out of the habit of taking a little bit of time to reflect mm. um, and then just kind of move from from one thing to the, to the next and then I'll stop for a, for a bit and look back and find that, oh, hey, I haven't really processed this stuff. I haven't got as much out of it as I, as I could have um, if, I, if I made sure that I kept in the habit of taking that time to, to reflect. And yeah, nice. I think a big, a big part of it is that kind of habit formation around that as well as if it's something that we're not kind of in the in the habit of doing uh that it's it's easy it's easy not to do mm. and i think as you as you said as well that it's a practice yeah too so it's something that we that we need to train because sometimes when we start it's real hard yeah like uh, uh, the more that i kind of think about these these topics um, um coming from like a, a physical background myself the more i relate it back to training too mm. and that like if you're if you're going out to planning to run a marathon is a nice analogy that 
your first 5k run is real hard because mm. you haven't done it before. Um, but the more you do it, the better you get. And sooner or later, you're, you're able to go out and, and run that marathon. But like starting those, especially those, those mental tasks, like mm. most people understand the kind of the physical challenge and why that's hard when we start. But sometimes it's harder to, uh, like for, for myself, sometimes I don't find that I have quite that same understanding around the mental challenges yeah. when I start off with something and think, oh man, this is, this is hard. Maybe. I'm just no good at it. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's, that's a voice I think that, that pops up for a few people. Um, Mm. but it's, yeah, it's about kind of seeing it as a practice and and looking to, looking to train it there. Yeah. And, and it raises a good point because I, I actually think, you know, with the amount of time we spend on computers now, like most people as an actual practice, writing is something that just falls into that category of hard, right? So Mm. straight away, if someone was ever listening and was like, it's, it's just straight away it seems like something like, I just don't want to do it like yeah. what could I possibly get out of it so I, I think a good place to start with reflection or getting more out of a particular experience is just to have a, a group of buddies or someone that can hold you to account for whatever goal you're going after so in the context of what you were saying say you're going after a marathon like enroll your wife or your husband or your work colleague and say hey look this is the goal that I'm after this is what I'm going for can you just check in with me like once a week and just say how's it going because even just asking me about it, I'm going to say it again, and then in doing so, it makes it reminds me of what it was like, and yeah, you just the, the whole experience is more enriching. And I, I'd rather do a few things really, really well that I really, really enjoy that mean a bloody lot than doing 50 things every day that it's kind of like I'm just dumping my attention everywhere, and I go home and I'm absolutely mentally blown out of the water. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I like that. Um. How do you how do you pick the things that you want to do well? Like what? Are, how have you identified that those things for yourself? Yeah, so we um I actually run a um I guess a, it's a business now called Against the Grain, and myself and two others we run these two day workshops, and they are called that workshop is called Life by Design. So it's about spending two days figuring out what your life's about so that you can go out there after that weekend and pick and choose and decide where you want to spend your attention or time. So one of the tasks that we do is on the last day of your life, how do you want your life to have been? And we spend a bit of time doing this. Mm. And once people have done that task everything seems to just be a lot clearer about where you want to spend your attention and time. And all of a sudden, those people that you have been hanging out with that are actually pulling you down or not adding to your end goal, it becomes a lot easier to remove yourself from that particular group. So that would be the short answer of how I decide is always thinking about what's the end goal and how is what I'm doing day to day or week to week serving that purpose. Yeah. Cool. In terms of, uh, and I mean, we're we're going down a little bit of a, a tangent here. I want to mm. I want to jump back a, a wee bit later. But in terms of kind of figuring out what that what that end goal is, is that kind of related back to sort of values that you hold, or how have you how have you actually come to 
to deciding yeah that's that's the end goal mm. that I want. Yeah. Like what's the underlying stuff that's that brings you to that? Yeah, I mean, I think so. There's there's three questions that we ask to to kind of because if, if I said to you, how do you want to be on the last day of your life? When you're sitting there, ideal world, you're sitting in the rocking chair, you know, and you can actually go, well, this is how it was. Mm. Um, there's a couple of questions that if we ask them, you'd be like, you just start writing, you just start capturing it. So. One of those questions is, who did you become as a person over your life? And it's a difficult question to answer, mm. but that's what I've spent a lot of my time doing is trying to figure that out. Because yeah. if I know what that is, it makes it a lot easier to decide day to day, week to week, year to year, what my goals are, where I'm pointing my attention. And, you know, if someone rings up and says, hey, do you want to do this? Well, I've got my last day statement. I've got my personal values. I've got my 10 year plan. I've got my, Whatever it is, eight forms of wealth. I've got all this. I'll pull it out here. Of the life by design folder. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's, it's this a, is you. This is your me. One? Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. So if you open it up, apart from a few notes, like this is how I do my Sundays, right? Yeah. So it starts with the. Um, this is my last day statement, and then we turn over, and he's got the I am the affirmations. These are some stimulating thoughts on gratitude. The big five for life, top five personal values, um, eight forms of wealth. So this is big picture job stuff. Action questions to stimulate thought, 10-year plan, five monthly focuses for 2017, 2018's already done. So then when I plan my week, it's like I know where I'm I know where I'm heading. I yeah. know where I need to be spending my attention. So that's how do you do it? Labor. Be a practitioner. Like a physio. Yeah. you got to go do four years of study and then you got to do the practicals and, you know, just get excited about finding out who you are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like that. I like that. And for those of you guys listening, Joel has a big ring binder folder here with a whole lot of stuff in it. Um, that is, yeah, is, is fantastic. Uh, all highlighted and things as well. So it does look quite pretty too. <laughs> um, awesome, man. Awesome. And I think, yeah, you make a really valuable point in regards to that as well as that it is, is being that practitioner and putting in the work and doing it that there's no kind of particular hack to mm. to get you there to get you there quickly or there's no mm. app that will will do that for you um which has its pros and has its pros and cons yeah, yeah. um but i think like going through that process and and doing it is the the value you get out of it though is is incredible and um obviously the the direction and the mm. and the drive uh it keeps it keeps you on track a lot more it does, it does. And I've spent, you know, a good portion of my life, you know, wondering and floundering and, you know, just not really sure, mm. just doing life, going to work, coming home, watching TV, Netflix, whatever it might be. But I've found that, and I share this now in a coaching context, is answer these 17 questions, even send it by email or live. And at the end of answering those 17 questions, people are better positioned to direct their life in a way that's aligned with their highest potential or true self, right? So it makes sense to me to do this stuff because 
It's on a bit of paper, like 17 questions. Like I just feel like everyone needs to answer these 17 questions because there's no more guesswork. You're now aligning your decision-making with that which you are about, your essence, your core, your value system. So absolutely, it gives direction and it far out makes you sleep better at night. And, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like I can go home and be a better dad and a better husband because I've given my best. Mm. So you asked a you asked a couple of uh, gave us a couple of those questions before. What are the what are some of the other seventeen? You don't need to throw them all out there. That might be the whole podcast if you do. But no, I think I think you know don't want to lose lose context as well. Mm. So you know whatever people pick up, and I'm the same when I'm listening to podcasts or reading a book. You can't just read one chapter, and you got to, you need the whole the whole piece of the pie yeah. to kind of really apply it in a way that makes sense but you know if I was to ask somebody you know what's your philosophy on life most people would struggle to start to answer that Mm. but if you give it a go and then we can have some dialogue and soundboard about it and then all of a sudden people arrive at a particular distinction for themselves and it actually allows life experience to to kind of it's just clearer so when certain things happen like someone cuts you off or you're running out of petrol and, you know, hate being in that situation. Depending on your philosophy on life, you'll respond differently. Mm. Um, what are the core beliefs that you hold as a person? You know, that's another example. And a lot of my the work that I do do with the coaches here or whether it's in a coaching context is what is the belief that is stimulating the behavior that's showing up right now? So that's a great question. I love that question. I love delving into it. Can we talk a little bit about beliefs? Yeah. Actually, um, so I mean, there's a, a lot of beliefs that we hold, uh, kind of the the subconscious, sort of what what everyone knows, and are the products of our upbringing, our environment, our exposure to different um, different stimuli. Yeah. Obviously, once you've the, the first step is kind of identifying some of those beliefs that are um, that you hold and how they relate to the to the stuff that you do. Um, mm. I'm loath to say limiting beliefs, but yeah, I mean you do have you do have some limiting beliefs, but you also have some beliefs that serve you well and yeah. uh, are positive too. But for those ones that uh, that aren't serving you. Do you have do you have any strategies that you use yourself about how you go about kind of addressing them and either changing those beliefs or working around them? Yeah, fantastic question. Um, so I guess as you pointed out, the first stage is being able to identify it. So mm. I think if depending on our level of consciousness, we'll be like far out. That was an interesting behavior, job what's the belief that's producing that and and if I can have a conversation like that and identify that particular limiting belief then um, I guess a technique or a particular strategy that I've used particularly in recent years is this idea and it's Robin Sharma coined this it's called opposition thinking and so it's like in any given moment when you're thinking a particular way if you're able to identify that you're thinking in a, whether it's a negative way or this is a limiting belief that I'm experiencing right now, to just completely switch blade 
and think about something else. Think about a goal you have. Think about what you're having for dinner. Just literally think about something else. Opposition thinking. So it's not much more complicated than that. But the trouble is, is what I've experienced myself is we're very conditioned to being stubborn and to entertaining the belief. So it's hard to get out of and to opposition think. So that would be one of the things um, that I'd do if I'm experiencing a limiting belief or I've identified. It's also sometimes hard to catch yourself in the moment when you when you do start kind of uh, rolling that over around and rolling it around in your brain. Yeah. That sometimes you, you pick it up and you think, oh, bugger, I've been I've been thinking about this for five five minutes now. Yeah, absolutely, and I I can't. It's that simple, mm. but simple doesn't mean easy, no. right, as we know. And, you know, whether it's you're about to get on stage and there's this negative voice saying, you're going to screw up, you're going to mess it up, I don't know if you're going to be able to articulate yourself very well, Joel. Like, when that starts to happen, like, I think the first thing that I've been able to recognize is that that's just nerves, there's just a little bit of fear there. And someone once said to me, if you're nervous, it means you want to be there, right? Mm. So I always remember that. Yeah. And the second thing is, is to remember the power of your attention and your focus. And if you can switch your thinking, as, as powerful as that negativity is, over time, over multiple different experiences, you're, I believe you're able to start to manage those nerves and manage that fear in a way that's useful for the speaking gig or whatever it is that you're about to go and do. Mm. And there's a particular part of your brain that actually will validate how effective opposition thinking is, which I'm happy to get into if we've got the time. Yeah, go for it. So um, reticular activating system, or in short, the RAS, it's a part of our brain. It's a filtering system, and it filters in and out sensory data. So apparently, at any one environment, there's billions of bits of sensory data. That's things that we can see, touch, taste, smell, da 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 And our reticular activating system, which is a filtering system, so it filters in and out to our conscious mind, our life experience, can only process or filter in around about 130 bits of sensory data per second. So the short and skinny of that is we experience far less of what's going on than what's actually going on. So right now you're tuned into me, you're listening to my voice, you're seeing my hands move around, but you're not fully conscious of the sound of the cars outside. Now you are. And and the way in which we tune in and out of different um, sensory data is by what's going on in our conscious, thoughtful mind. So if I go into a speaking gig and I'm thinking you're a world-class speaker, Joel, there's lots of possibility for you to influence people here then I start to focus on the things, the sensory data around me that's going to serve me well and consequently manage my emotions and manage my nerves a lot better. So mm. th- this, this gives light to think positively, right? Yeah. Because when we think positively, we attract in or we filter in the sensory data that will validate and prove that to be true. And that's a, that's a technique, right? Yeah. And the more you do it, the better you get. Yeah, I like that. I think that's the that's the kind of best scientific answer that I've heard around the around positive positive thinking. You get all the think positively, you'll yeah. you'll, you'll attract in uh, all, all these good things. But actually, hearing that, it, 
explains why mm. you, why that happens is because of that that training of your that training of your of your focus and training of your of your thought patterns and thought processes and again i think it as you say that the more you do it the better you get at it so it's again comes back to that that mental training yeah basically as well totally. which is is probably more important than than the physical training yeah as well like if you're someone that walks around and every wednesday you're like oh it's hump day or you're just hanging out for friday if that's part of the internal dialogue you'll find sensory data in your life to prove everything about those comments to be true Mm -hmm. you'll be tired on wednesday you know you it'll be a struggle on thursday because you're just hanging out for friday so the way in which we talk to ourselves and our internal dialogue is our life experience, mm. and 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 that's it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. essence yeah. of of everything that we we teach at against the grain and on the Life by Design weekend. It's what we put all the coaches through here. It's but it's not easy, right? It's not easy. It's easier to think negatively. We're conditioned that way from a mm. long, long time ago, and. You know, there's significance in negativity. People feel significant when they can blame someone else or make excuses about why they're not fulfilling their potential or, you know, park their potential over there and talk about something else. Like, there's significance, significance in that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think with that as, as well is that, again, it's it's a training thing, is that if you're thinking positively or you're, you're approaching these, these positive strategies, mm. that you're training your brain and your body to respond to them but you have to be doing them frequently enough to untrain all this negative training that yes. you've already got and yeah, you, yeah. you've been kind of conditioning your body and your and your life to experience 100 percent. and and i think if we're talking about it from a habit perspective like you know new research university of london 66 days to to develop a habit mm-hmm. right and um unless we do something for 66 days in a row it's going to be harder to do it than it is not to, right? But if we can do it for 66 days, science is telling us that it becomes easier to now do that than to not do it. Mm. So that's interesting. It is. It's very interesting. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on if you were to develop a new habit, like how would you how would you go about it? Because 66 days is a long time to continuously hold motivation yeah. to think yeah I, this is this is what I'm doing I'm going to do it every day yeah I, absolutely I think um, a couple of things come to mind like you've got to have a goal right mm-hmm. so if anyone is ever sitting there going oh, I'm just not very motivated in my life at the moment go get a goal and get a real good one and if you don't know how to get a goal then get a coach I think that's one of the great parts of life is goal setting and goal getting I love surrounding myself with people when you go and catch up with them you're like what are you up to and they're like let me tell you yeah like they've got a smile on their face you know yeah that's awesome and they they seem to be few and far between so i think a goal is a a big part of it i think an acceptance that if it's um if it's not hard it's not going to be real change right yeah and so that's a perspective thing it's a it's a belief that this is going to be hard you know like if i'm not a physio and I want to become a physio like I'm going to be challenged like on a massive level and if I want to make it then there's going to be some time that I've got to endure and there's some stuff that I've got to learn so I think you've got to have a goal 
I think that you've got to accept that it's going to be hard. You've got to be, you know, you've got to want to lean into a bit of hard. Um, and that's where, um, that's where the reflection comes in, right? Is because if you think about some of the great things in your life, they've often come on the other side of hard, right? I, I think about the movie The Pursuit of Happiness and each part of that movie, if you remember Will Smith at the beginning, he's like, this part of my life is called whatever and then this part of my life is called being stupid. And right at the end, when he gets the job that the whole movie's been about, right at the very end, he gets the job, which means the better paycheck, which means he can look after his kid. He says, this part of my life, this part of my life is called happiness. And it was on the other side of tons and tons and tons of struggle and hard work and enduring and not really knowing but pushing themselves. So I think there's going to be an acceptance that there's going to be some hard work involved in the change. Um and and also I think, you know, like if you're gonna live for the probably the next well, most of us walk around thinking we're gonna live for the next ten years probably. So what are you gonna do with your time otherwise? You know? I mean you've got to do something with your time. So I think why not do something that could have a dramatic impact on your family, on yourself, on your community, on your on your you know, your vision for the world. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean that's a that's a kind of a really strong, powerful way to to de- help develop new habits, and mm. um, <clears throat> I, I I find I uh, want to kind of get into a little bit more specific with with that stuff. Yeah. That when I when I'm doing that, I, I still have days where I'm just like, ah, mm. I'm, I'm not I'm not motivated. So finding like like you mentioned before, having some external accountability yeah. there, whether that's checking in with someone, having a having a coach. Um, or even just a mate that's sort of, you say, hey, give me a call, or give me a text to ask me how I'm going on a weekly basis is, is pretty valuable. But also implementing um, some even kind of external cues or some triggers mm. to, to help you with that. <clears throat> that if you, so again, let's go back to the, let's go back to the running example that if you want to, if you want to go running and your, your best time to go running is after you get home from work, you can come home, you can go and sit down on the couch and start watching TV and then all of a sudden, hey, it's an hour and a half later, two hours later, you're like, oh, I'm not going for a run now. Mm. But if you go home and you put on your running gear and then even if you sit down on the couch, you're much more likely to go out and go for a run because you're you've got that that trigger there. You're yeah. already in that, yeah. Uh, already in your gear. In a way, you go. Absolutely, I know. I was just we held a seminar here last night around how do we get focused for the next ninety days. Food challenge that we're running here, and one of our members, she every night <laughs> she'll get everything ready so that when she gets out of bed it's literally that she falls into her shoes and her gear and before she's even had any kind of conscious thought she's already in the car driving to the gym right so setting yourself up for success like that i think is an absolute no-brainer you know and i think as well something that's important here to understand from my experience as well is we only have so much and this is perhaps a limiting belief but it's a limiting belief that actually is empowering for me is we only have so much willpower, self-discipline, what do you want to call that? And so you want to be really, I need to be very careful about how I'm spending that, right? 
every single day. So the more things that I can turn into habits, like going for a run, as soon as possible, allows me to use my willpower and energy for other things like persevering for a difficult conversation at home or, you know, recruiting somebody or whatever it is that we need our willpower mm-hmm. for. So it makes sense to me to do whatever it takes to develop habits as quick and as soon as possible, 66 days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because if you use all your willpower up by 5 p.m., and that's when you decide that you're going to go for the run. It might be a lot easier to sit down on the couch. Yeah, and eat cake. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then after that, so you don't go for the run, you eat the cake, and then what's next? You ring up, get some pizza, mm. and all of a sudden, you know, the goal starts to become further and further yeah, away. Yeah, it's kind of about automating those those habits to, to make them easier to to do and uh, so that you don't have to you don't have to spend as much time or energy on actually the initiation process of it which is is very Tim Ferriss yeah absolutely that's 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 actually what the um the University of London have coined it is automaticity so getting to a point where it's easier to do it than not to do it and so I look at my life and my daily SOP and I'm thinking what are the things that are still a developing habit and what are the things that are now they're easier to do than to not do and then I look at the net result of what if I do this every day for the rest of my life and does that line up with my last statement, last day statement? Yeah. And there's the measure, right? It's like, I'm going to keep doing that. I'm going to stop doing that. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's um, habits. I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Cool. Mate, I could, I could talk to you for absolute hours here, but I'm, I'm mindful of, uh, of the time as well. So I want to have a, have a little bit of a chat, um, just about the stuff that you're up to. Yep. At the moment, um, before I, I ask you uh, the, the specific uh, questions, so your you mentioned against the grain before. How did how did that idea come about? So I spent a large part of my life working in youth development, mm-hmm. and I was running emceeing the uh, Wellington Leadership Conference at Scots College, and um, there was a particular female there that I spoke to, and. She was real passionate about youth development as well. So I had a coffee with her and long story short, we decided that working in the area of personal development and in particular youth was something that we're both passionate about and we should hang out together a little bit more. And as we got further into that project, we realized that there was a few barriers around working with youth. Um, So what we decided is that we needed a third person and we needed someone that could communicate what it is that we did very, very well on social media. So hence the bringing in of Ali, the man, um, who does all of our audio visual work. Um, So she knew him um, and uh, it sort of just happened. You know, you're talking about the same thing and you end up in places like this. So, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, where, where can people find out more about that? Yeah, so it's atg.co. Yeah. That's the website. And uh, you'll get a real good insight just going on the website as to what it is that we do. And generally speaking, the weekend, uh, the next one's in October. It's two days. It's in Anakiwa. And it's for those people that are on the verge of, I feel like there's something else waiting for me in my life, mm-hmm. whether it's starting a podcast or whether it's, you know, you know, um, starting a relationship or whatever it might be. And you just need to be surrounded by a great bunch of people that are going to flesh that out for you. We obviously develop the folder, mm. right? Mm. And in two days, you sort of walk away from there super inspired and motivated. And probably more than that, 
is very strategic about how you want to live your life. So ATG.co. Okay, cool. I'll put a put a link to that in the notes for the show awesome. as well. Um, and you're also obviously we're sitting in Maya Maya CrossFit yeah. as well. How long's how long's this been going for? We're approaching five years yeah. in January. Yeah. So it's been awesome and uh, in, in business with my brother Dustin. So yeah. being able to do it with him has been um, absolutely amazing, super meaningful. Um, we went for a walking meeting today. Cool. It was awesome. Wellington sunshine debriefing just you know we've we've got nine coaches here they're you know some of the best communicators soul of the earth want to contribute to the lives of others type people that i've ever met so um to be able to come in here every day and work with them and then obviously the members that come here is an absolute blessing yeah yeah cool 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 yeah and actually i have uh I've done a done a lot of sport and a lot of exercise in my time, but I've never actually officially given CrossFit a go. Yeah, so right. I have to I have to test it out sometime. Yeah, I well, I mean, CrossFit is um, it's a good framework, right? It's a yeah. good framework, and I think the, the people that are listening out there, you either have one perspective or the other, and one would be like, I've tried it and I've done it and I like it or I hate it, and the other one is I've never tried it and I hate it because of the the vibe that's out there about yeah. it. And for us, it's a it's a methodology that works. And it allows us to express how we see the world. You know, we believe that people should be able to come to a place and feel welcome. We believe that people should be able to come to a place where they know their name, where they can work out and put themselves first for one hour and then go out there and be better mothers, fathers, work colleagues, etc. So CrossFit is, is fantastic and I'll, I'll always be a fan of it. And again, it's just a framework like anything to explore some of that deeper stuff that we we get to as yeah, human beings. Yeah, it's very cool, and I, I really like the kind of community aspect of of CrossFit as well. And I love the the definition of fitness that they that yeah. they use as well. I read that, and I was like, oh, yeah, that makes that makes sense to me. Um, if people want to find out more about Maya Maya CrossFit, where where should they go? Yeah, again, uh, MayaCrossFit.co.nz, yeah. um, or give us a call. All of our details are on. If you just plug it into Google and someone would be more than happy to meet up with you and talk to you more about your goals and what it is that we may be able to help you out with. Yeah, awesome, mate. Um, you also do a little bit of a little bit of speaking, a little bit of leadership training as well. Um, if people were sort of interested in, in that from the stuff that we've talked about today, uh, where, can they, where can they look you up for that one? Yeah, so website's joelbouzade.com, so J-O-E-L-B-O-U-Z-A-I-D.com, and in there you'll find the email address and a little um, a bit of a blurb about what it is that I do and, and um, you know, I guess the perspective and paradigm that I come from with that work. So, yeah. Yeah. Wicked, man. Um, I want to ask you a couple of questions that I ask everyone towards the end of our end of our chat. The first is, can you tell me about a time that you failed and what you learned from it? Like a, like a massive failure? It doesn't have to be massive. Um, I think just going back to the outdoors, mm. when I was very young, when I was... 16 and just getting into the outdoors I got onto um, a river in the North Island very unprepared and went on a trip that should have taken four hours and took a lot longer um, about an hour into it I tipped over in the in the kayak and dislocated my shoulder and at the same time my paddle split we didn't have a backup paddle we didn't take any food we we're a little bit gung-ho and anyway this particular river trip should have ended at 5 p.m. at the takeout with our 
person picking us up. Instead, it ended at 4 a.m. the next morning with search and rescue pulling us out of the river, hypothermic. Um, our toes were all bleeding from walking on the river through the night. Um, you know, just probably the closest I've been to death. <laughs> um, and what that taught me at a very young age is that, you know, preparation, whether it's in the outdoors or starting a business or setting up a good date, is key. It's everything. That's what it taught me. Yeah. So we that never happened again. Yeah. Uh, for every kayak trip after that, and it was you know the outdoors just has a way of really making sure you don't do stupid shit, and so um, that was a that was a learning. You know, everyone always talks about you know if you've got a good plan, you're going to be alright, or proper prior planning prevents piss poor performance, or whatever those things are. But to have that experience at 16, I'll always value preparation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a cool point. I had a really interesting conversation with Ben Logan last week, all about all about preparation. Mm. So uh, for those people listening, go back and have a listen to that that podcast too. Um, what was the last uncomfortable thing you did, Joel, and how did you get through it? The last uncomfortable thing that I did is Wednesday on Sunday. I was down in Christchurch, and I was running a full day workshop for a corporate group down there, 20 participants, and the goal was to define and assign culture to this particular group. And they already have an established culture. They're actually kicking butt in their particular area of their game. But whenever I work with a group and the goal is to define and assign culture, culture is a very unique thing, and I can't come into that environment with a preconceived idea about how I want it to go. So for me, that particular workshop that I run, I have to be fully present. I have to be on my game. And I have to be totally just a little bit like this podcast. You're kind of just running with what I say and then Mm. the questions might change as you go. And so for eight hours to do that and then to arrive at the ideal outcome is a massive day for me. So Sunday I was well out of my comfort zone, um, hoping for certain responses and often not getting them. Um, but we got there in the end and I'm, I'm really pleased where we got to they were blown away there was a lot of tears in the room at the end of the day and I think um, being, being uncomfortable on Sunday was part of the result of them having a great day yeah yeah, yeah. cool what's the uh, what's the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do and why is that uncomfortable for you I'm uh, I'm all set to climb Mount Aspiring on the first week of December, oh, marked nice. out December 1 to 9th, so that's yeah. the window. And uh, so I've got the money aside, and I've got the guide aside, and I've been training. I'm on day 52 today of cold showers. Yeah. Um, when I asked my guide, what's it going to be like up there? Um, he said it's going to be cold, wet, and miserable. So... Um, I've been trying to train for that. Yeah. So are you doing like just full cold shower or you just cold shower at the end of a warm shower? Yeah, so I'll do the warm shower to, to obviously the normal shower stuff. Yeah. And then the last minimum two minutes will be cold yeah. and like cold, cold. Mm. Um, so that's been really tough. But I'm also testing out a lot of that 66-day automaticity stuff, so 52. Yeah. So 
within the next 15 days it should be and it's already feeling like it it's easier to do it than to not do it now mm, yeah yeah and an interesting thing about cold water therapy as well is it's a great way to train focus because when you especially wellington winter mornings <laughs> eh, when you hit I, I do occasionally when you get hit by that cold you're just like you, your body starts to, to respond and it starts to kind of scream and uh, sort of go into almost a panic response and then actually just stopping yourself and saying it's just cold. Yeah. It's not it's not hurting me. Then actually your mm. focus can just kind of come into your breath. But yeah, it definitely pushes other thoughts out to the out oh. to the peripheries. I remember when I first started, like the, the noise that I'd make and you know, the, the, the rate of breathing <laughs> and now it's it's almost like a little bit stoic when I go in there and it's a lot more calm and yeah. I guess measured approach. But that, that's that's I guess it's gonna be cold up there, it's gonna be miserable. I know it's gonna be hard, but the reality is, is I've never been up that high before. Mm. I've never... I try and climb a mountain once a year because yeah. I just love the outdoors. And, yeah. And What's the height of Mount Aspiring? It's uh, 3,033, so okay. one of, not yeah. many over 3,000. Yeah, so you're starting to get kind of out, problems with altitude at, at yeah. that point as well. Yeah, and, mm. and a lot of exposure and decision-making under pressure, and hence the guide, obviously. Mm. Certainly not an environment I could be in on my own at that high. So it's, it's going to be uncomfortable for me because it's unfamiliar territory yeah yeah very cool uh, i look forward to hearing how it goes yeah me too um <laughs> joel do you have it when when you're approaching an uncomfortable situation i mean we've, we've talked a lot about it already but do you have any other strategies that you use to uh, uh, approach uncomfortable things yeah i think um like right at the whatever it is like a good question to kind of entertain is what's my perspective on this risk? Because the answer to that is going to determine how we behave around either leaning in or pulling back. Mm-hmm. So whether it's, it's probably quite deep, like if you're trying to decide whether or not you get up and dance or whether you ask a guy or girl out on a date, it's probably something you're not going to do. But if it's like climbing a mountain, for example, or starting a business, if your perspective on risk is this is an opportunity for me to fail, then there's going to be a much higher chance that you're not going to behave in a way that's going to allow mm. you to experience that. Mm. Whereas if your perspective is this is an opportunity to express myself and learn and maybe get a few beeps or learnings along the way, then you're far more likely to lean into that. So I think the first strategy would be like asking myself, what's my perspective on this uncomfortable situation or the risk? And whatever the answer is, is probably going to be determined whether or not you lean into it. Yeah. Um, I think, as we've talked about, having a good support network, so accountability, whether that's enrolling your spouse or getting a coach or a mentor or someone, I just, at the core of all of the work that I do, is surround yourself with people that will lift you up and give you great feedback. And, you know, when you're feeling a little bit down, they'll say, hey, pull your head in. I know what's important to you. I think that's really important to surround yourself with good people, great people. Um, And then something that I learned from my brother is whatever you're going to do, whatever it is, have a really, really, really good plan. And I think when you put in the time and have a good plan, um, you just develop this momentum that whether it's barriers or roadblocks or it's not quite going your way, it's going to serve you really well having a good plan as opposed to just being motivated or excited because mm. that can 
that can Dwayne that can fall away. Yeah. Yeah. So those would probably be the the three things that I'd use myself the most. <clears throat> Have a good plan, get a great group of people around you, and then ask yourself, what's my perspective on this? Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, Joel, I've got one more question for you, but I just want to take a minute to say thanks very much for, for sitting down and, and spending some time with me tonight. It's been, it's been cool to, cool to chat, but also thank you as well for, for teaching me a lot of stuff, um, around, around perspective, around habits, around, um, around approaches to, to getting uncomfortable. It's been, it's been cool to learn, but also thank you for, yeah sitting down and having a conversation with me that that makes me smile as well and kind of lights lights me up which is which is it's been a lot of fun um my final question for you mate is do you have any challenges to leave me and the listeners with tonight that's a great question i think um if if you can see your life as you know your your most favorite subject um, and start to launch an inquiry into your own possibility. So asking yourself good questions, getting a coach. I think that has got to be one of the most exciting things that we can do in life is find out what's my potential. Mm. And it's scary and it's hard and it's probably never ending, but that would be my challenge to everybody. Go out there and find out what you're truly capable of and how you can serve the world in a way that no one else can. Cool. Joel, thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today. Cheers. Appreciate it. Well, there you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's chat with Joel. Uh, as you can hear, he's he's an awesome dude. Uh, I think we only really scratched the surface of all of the amazing knowledge that he has. So... He's kindly agreed to come back on the show again at some point in the future, so we'll make that happen sometime. Um, and hopefully, we are going to be collaborating on a little bit of other stuff, uh, which will be which will be cool to be able to help each other out. So, if you guys want to support the show, uh, there are a couple of ways that you can do that. Probably the easiest one is just to share it out with your mates, uh, so that they can have a listen to all of Joel's fantastic knowledge as well. Um, I'm sure that there is something in this one for everybody, so get the message out. Uh, You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Um, Hopefully, if there are enough reviews, uh, then I'll be reading one every, every week or so. Uh, and for those of you that want to help out the show uh, financially as well, you can support us over on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash uncomfortable is okay. Thank you again so much for listening. Thank you to my brother Jeremy Desmond for the amazing theme music as always. And go out there and do something uncomfortable this week guys we'll see you again next week